I'm spinning in circles and talking to myself. Spinning in circles and talking to myself. Welcome to a new spin on autism. Answers with host and international speaker and performer, Lynette Louise. Besides working on her doctorate in psychophysiology, Lynette has raised eight children, six adopted, and four of them falling somewhere on the autism spectrum. Laugh with her, cry with her, as she talks to both experts and parents and takes you through the often confusing, sometimes frustrating, sometimes overwhelming, but always fascinating world of autism. Hello and welcome. This is a new spin on autism, Answers. I'm Lynette Louise, your story teacher host. And lots of you are now calling me the Brain Broad. I really like it. I was at a conference, as I am every weekend as of late, but anyway, I was at a conference this last weekend, and somebody said, oh, I don't like the Brain Broad. You shouldn't call yourself that. It sounds rude. And I thought, you know, if you raised eight kids, uh, six adopted, uh, five of them challenged and four on the spectrum of autism, occasionally you had to be abroad. And so (laughs) I'm sticking with it because it's the wholeness of who I am. So just to answer any questions that have come along on how I ended up calling myself the brain broad, that's how it happened. I went, you know, I'm more than just a therapist and uh, all about play and joy and encouraging. I also, when I have to, I put my foot down. And besides, it's a play on the words going abroad and I go abroad. So there you go. You've got the answer to that question that has been coming into my email and was brought up at the conference. Now, we're going to have a wonderful day. But before we get to our guests, remember to stay to the very end of the show where we will have stories from the road. And I promise that whatever she brings up, I always have a story to match it. So I will come up with something. It's always on the fly and it's always lots of fun. And uh, and, and here she's, she is. Her name's Anastasia Chopla. She's got a PhD. She has a wonderful history that is very interesting. So I want you to get your like antennas up, you know, and really give her a listen because I met her two conferences back, and I've already been on her show, and she's created something called the Diamond Healing Method. And why I'm particularly interested is she mentioned something about uh, someone with autism, so we're going to dig into that a little bit. But there's another something about her story that's super, super interesting to me, and that's the degree of time she spent as a researcher before she became a diamond healer. Now, you put those two things together, and you got to admit, that's a curious combination. And we're going to want to find out how those two things go together and end up landing our feet in the world of autism. So let's, not that she's exclusive to that. So let's just go ahead and let her tell you her creds, and we'll move from there. So Anastasia, thank you so much for being here. I'm afraid of pronouncing your last name wrong. So can you please tell them who you are so I don't call you, just wreck your name? Hi, Lynette. I am so glad to be here. Um, well, my last name is pronounced Chopolis, just like it's spelled. Oh, but I was going to say Chopolis. <laughs> so, yeah, so everybody I'm tries to do that. It sounds really foreign because it is. I'm I'm Greek, and all, um, half of us in my family have bizarre Greek first, first names, and the other half have normal names. <laughs> so uh, you know what? What's fun about that is I named my daughters and sons all in a unique way. 
And so they always have a conversation starter, just like you just did, you know, and we just did. It's like there's a way to get going in conversation. So I advise everyone to give your children unusual names. Anyway, so so hello, and thank you so, so much for being willing to do the show. Um, can we start with your creds and your history as a researcher? It's so interesting to me. Well, um, basically my, my um, desire to be a scientist started when I was seven, when my dad came home with a map of the universe and hung it on the kitchen wall, and I stared at it, realizing that instead of thinking that the Earth was this really huge place, that it was just a tiny speck in the in the grandiose universe. And then uh, the the really awe-inspiring thing for me was that there were other planets with different numbers of moons and rings and all kinds of crazy stuff out there. So. Um, from that day on, I just sort of set my my radar or my GPS towards the science, and I just headed basically headlong into that and went straight through. I first started majoring in physics, and then I moved over to chemistry. So I have a PhD in physical chemistry, wow. and um, uh, but it, during that path, I discovered that there was geophysics. So I I spent basically 40 years from the time I was approximately 20 all the way until I retired a couple of years ago to um, studying the physics of the materials of the universe. And I did that by putting the materials in a tiny cell that was surrounded by diamonds to apply pressure to it. And that's where the the term diamond healing comes from because I used diamonds in my work for 40 years. And how does that relate to you moving into a, a healing modality? Okay, so, so of course, this life with ha- habit, the universe serves you up the things that you need to learn so you can become who you're supposed to be. So in the, in the interim, um, I decided, well, my dad got sick when I was, about eight, and uh, he put us on a path of eating healthy and being healthy, and I made my mind up that that's what I would do. So I continued to do that, but at age 40, um, everything came to a screeching halt because I got so sick. I had a tumor, and I had high blood pressure, and I had arthritis, and I had every middle-aged malady you could think of at the ripe old age of, of 41. And so it put me on to the path of alternative medicine. I was in Germany at the time. I lived there for 13 years, and I, I learned a lot from them. And one of my friends took me to, uh, she said that it was a, a training. And I said, a training for what? She says, oh, well, it's called Reiki. And I said, well, what's Reiki? And it turned out that it was a hands-on healing technique. And so I just came open-minded. I had no idea. I had already been to a homeopathic doctor there and discovered how virtually um, insignificant amounts of molecules in in a solution could actually change your health because I had a raging sinus infection disappear in two hours with this stuff. And I thought, uh, there must be something to it because a lot of the doctors all over the world are, were poo-pooing it, saying that, that there, there can't be any um, physiological effect because there's not enough molecules in there. 
But so all just of the- just to help people um, that aren't familiar with homeopathy, so basically you, what you do is you dilute. Say, let's say you take a little bit of medicine, you stick it yeah, in. Yeah, and you just keep and you dilute it, and dilute till it, it's almost till it's, it's yeah till it's essentially gone, but the energy has changed within the the solution. Yeah. Correct. Okay. And exactly, they're saying that there weren't enough molecules. So I started thinking that that it was the energy of the molecule that was imbuing the solution with what your body needed. So you needed to take the energy in. And I started thinking along those whole lines. So 20 years ago, I started thinking about all these alternative methods and what they had in common. And I started to pull a thread through. In the meantime, I also knew that I had a lot of ability because in that class, I just just took to it um, really easily. I could do things that the other students couldn't do. Like I could feel things, they would blindfold us and, you know, do things and I could see what was going on and feel what was happening without even seeing it. So I started Mm -hmm. to realize that I had um, ability and I started to tune into that and and actually work on it. And, um, you know, I've always been an empath and I also realized that people would send, would think about something and I'd get the picture in my own head. And um, and I had a lot of experiences like that. One guy even said to me, "So, smarty pants, think of a number. For, I'll think of a number from one to ten, and you tell me what it is." And I got it. And then he says, "Okay, from one to a hundred, and I got it again. And um, I started to realize <laughs> that I was tuning into people, and that's how I work. I turn, I tune into them, and I feel what's happening in their body." So did you have, you say you went to it open-minded, and I understand that when we yeah. hit a point where we're very sick, it changes our our beliefs and our willingness to believe and, and what we'll yeah. look at and not look at. So I, I get that that would have happened to you in that moment, but did you deal with a lot of, you know, even as you were open-minded, still your traditional science thinking and um, teaching? Yes, it was, it, I felt like I was a, um, you know, like a, a CIA agent on, on <laughs> undercover or something, you know. I by day I was this scientist that worked with numbers in the lab, and by night I was doing this other stuff. And I never <laughs> talked about that with them. And if I would mention it, they would get the one raised eyebrow and the and the kind of scrunchy faced look, like say what? Right. So, so I I. Um, I didn't really blend the two, but I used the science to understand what was happening energetically. Okay, so and, what would you, how would you explain it scientifically then? Like, what did you end up as you did the mental gymnastics to bring the the two together? Well, people would ask me, "How is it that uh, by telephone you can reach into me all the way around the world and make adjustments in my body?" And my description is that when I solved a quantum mechanical equation, which looks like a bunch of gibberish to most people, you know, there's like things that look like pitchforks in it and stuff, and mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and curly S's and curly D's and things like that. Um, when I solve one of those, I always solve from zero distance apart all the way to infinite distance apart. So when you're studying the effect of one particle on another, you always need to take into account 
all the way out to infinity. So that means that no matter what, every particle is interacting with every other particle. You can't separate it. Right. So that just means that um, on this Earth, we are really in close proximity when you consider the vastness of the universe. We're really in close proximity. So, so it's very easy for me to interact with something around the world. And the thing is that we each have our own unique signature. We vibrate. I, I don't know mm-hmm. how to explain it. It's that our, we have our own unique set of frequencies that are vibrating in our bodies. And when somebody speaks their voice, like your voice, for example, I, I can connect to you and feel what's going on. I don't do it, I don't do it anymore because I know how to not do it. But right, right. It's not, like, it's not like we have yeah, but, from but, our CIA, our CIA yeah, Reiki so, by but, night lady. <laughs> exactly. So, so I, I um, connect with a person based on their unique signature. And if I hear a voice for the first time, then I can connect with them because their voice transmits all those frequencies to me of, mm-hmm. of what's inside them. It's kind of like we're all, we, it's like everybody has a unique voice, for example, the way our, the way our um, vocal cords come together, the way our, you know, the, the size of the cavities in our head, the nasal cavities, the, the lungs, everything, the size of the body, everything, we all have our own unique voice. And, and it, it just reflects who we, you know, what we are, who we are, the whole thing. From what people are saying and how they say it and the, the timbre, the, the vibrations of the actual sounds that come out of them tells me a lot about them. Well, and sound, in fact, is reaching you. So there is no distance between you if, you, if you're talking with somebody and the sound waves and, um, and the frequency of that is reaching your ears, then therefore you are connected. Even in that sense, I think the simplest... Um, explanation is like for people who don't understand that you're in, we're all entangled and so I remember reading this book called E equals MC squared that was the history of that which told the story of the science of all the this scientist contributed this piece and this scientist contributed this piece and it sort of it was a kind of a fun espionage way of following the creation of this theory that then led to actually the bomb and and it was very well written but what was the best part for me was and I think that's where we it's tying in with the subject we're talking about is I was sitting there reading about the the first experiment with the photons where they went oh my gosh it's in two places it can be a wave or it can be a particle how can it be both and and I was reading it and I was so excited there were chills going up my spine because I felt like oh so the magic, the spiritual magic of the universe that we're always separating away from science, here it is. Here it is. They're the same yep, it's thing. it's right there. Yes, in science we already know that spirituality and religion and all, we're all the same thing. Yes, it is. It that doesn't matter me. what religion you are. As long as you believe in a spiritual world, you're, you're, we're all there. Yeah, it was very exciting. So so I'm on board with that. And I think yep. for people who aren't, you know, versed at all, that maybe to just consider the sound waves and knowing that one, if I'm hearing your voice and you're hearing mine and they're hearing ours, in, in that way we are already all connected regardless of space. Yeah. So that's so one the other way thing, to think about it. 
Right. And then the other thing that I did that during that entire, well, actually it started uh, again when I was about eight, I got a book on the human body, a big, thick, fat one was written for children. Mm-hmm. But I, I still have it. It's got beautiful pictures of what's going on inside. They're cartoons, but they're well-drawn. They're very accurate. And um, it started me wondering, you know, how, how the whole body worked. And over the years, I've just continued to explore that and explore health and <clears throat> discover why health is so complicated is that each cell has nine trillion reactions a day. A nine trillion, that's oh, nine gosh, that's... 12 zeros. Holy cow. <laughs> <laughs> like, how could one even try to control that? Yeah, <laughs> My you can't. Goodness. Yeah, you can't, you can't even imagine um, how, you know, how, how much is going on. And that's in every cell. And we have 38 trillion cells, give or take. And 38 trillion cells, I calculated this. I said, so if each cell weighed as much as an average grain of sand, like on the beach, average grain of sand, that 38 trillion grains of sand would weigh as much as four aircraft carriers. And that's how many cells we have in each of our bodies. Wow. Four aircraft carriers, four USS Enterprises. <laughs> All right, just let me tell. We're going to come back and talk about how this might have uh, helped you with an autistic person. So hang on a second. Um, you are listening to A New Spin on Autism Answers. I'm Lynette Louise, your story teaching host, otherwise known as the Brain Broad. Make sure you stay to the very end of the show where we will have stories from the road. Right now, we're listening to a fascinating woman, Anastasia Chopolis, <laughs> I think I said it right, PhD. I know y'all, y'all know I'm working on my, my name, you know, pronunciations and, and name recognition. So my uh, audience is very kind to me and so are my guests. So we're going to do it one more time just so I'm clear. Anastasia Chopolis, PhD. She's a research physicist and a cellular quantum mechanic healer. How cool is that? Let's find out how that relates to autism. So, again, thank you for waiting while I blab on. Anastasia, so tell us, have you ever worked with somebody who has autism, and what did you see? Um, Yes, I have. I've worked with a few people with autism. And my very first case was a 14-year-old boy who was high-functioning, but he spoke monosyllabically. His, His hips didn't engage, so it had that very stiff walk. And he was very obsessed over over his, you know, they have their singular activities. He was Mm -hmm. very obsessed over building ships. You know, he collected model ships all the time. And he only watched the History Channel on TV. That was it. Okay. And when I first uh, was in contact with him, uh, I um, had conversations and I would ask him questions. I'd say, so how old are you? He'd go, 14. And that would that would be the extent of his answers. It would be just answer it, and then on, and it's like really difficult to carry on a conversation. And his face had was very deadpan. And I did this this call over Skype, so I had four half hour sessions with him. And uh, the first half hour, uh, what I found was 
Um, the thing that's interesting is that our spirit is the the electro the electromagnetic energy that's us. Now, it's not really electromagnetic; it's something else, but it it kind of is. Okay. And um, it's supposed to occupy us from head to toe. And um, most people pull it up towards their head. And so on average, I get people uh, right pulling it up to about their hips. That's where people have knee problems, foot problems, lower back problems, and so forth. And if they pull it up higher, then they'll end up with digestive issues, sexual organ issues, and so forth, because... The spirit needs to be in there to animate and to give instruction to how the the body is supposed to behave. Well, with an autistic child, they pull it all the way up to, you know, their head, and sometimes they're only attached by a little tiny portion. Their spirit only occupies a little tiny portion of their head. And uh, all the portions that don't, that aren't connected to spirit, so... Let's say I have a, a nephew who had um, autism, and it he was connected only through his head, one eye, the nose, but not the mouth. And so I said to, mm, so I said to my sister, so. Um, does he say a lot of inappropriate stuff all the time? Does, does he just shoot off at the mouth like in non sequiturs and interrupt and 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 he goes she goes all the time all the time and so as soon as I brought this fourteen year old's boy spirit down into his body it takes it takes several times to lock it in place, but as soon as I brought it down, his hips started engaging and he started walking more normally. And the second thing that happened, uh, the other, the second thing that I did was I connected his emotional and his mental body. So when we encounter anything, we have an emotion. And if we can't form a thought afterwards, then we don't know how to interpret. Like if we see some somebody smiling face, we have kind of a happy, a happy response to that. And then we have a thought thinking, oh, that person likes seeing us. But with an autistic person that's disconnected in that way, when they see a smiling face, all they see think to themselves is there's a smiling face. But they don't associate um, they don't associate looking at the smiling face and think, oh, that person is happy to see me. That just doesn't come there. And they have to learn how to do that. So every time, everything that comes naturally to us, people without autism, they have to learn it separately. So they have a much longer path to get there. So once I connected that, the deadpan appearance of his face disappeared, and you could see emotion appear on his face. And that was, that was really dramatic for both, for both me and his mom. And um, the other thing that happened was that reconnecting all the places that needed connecting is that he started speaking in sentences then in paragraphs. And then the, so over the process of the four weeks, his digestive system improved, his basic health improved because a lot of them have digestive issues because the spirit's not down there doing, giving the body instructions. 
And you know, um, I love and, what you just said, by the way, when you said the spirit's not down there giving the body instructions. I use biofeedback for the brain, but I've used for the body. Yeah, as well. and that. And, it's and amazing when the body or the and the brain, the one thing, when it, it's amazing. We just need instruction. It's amazing. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And so my my guess is that some of what you're doing is helping that connection reestablish. Oh, absolutely. So I just do it energetically, and you do it by this neural feedback. Right. But um, so once you've gotten to that, Get, get to that point, and uh, he went back to the doctor. He had been going to a, a doctor that practices naturopathic medicine um, here in the Los Angeles area, and um, she was amazed at how improved everything was. He needed far fewer supplements. <clears throat> he was way healthier, had fewer digestive issues, and um, and he started reacting more normally. Normally, he was starting to react. Neurotypically, it's okay. <laughs> yes, he's not it's normal. It's a wrong word. He started being able to react to his environment and interact with people in a different way. And um, the interesting thing is that he was upset at first that his mom was bringing, you know, wanting to meet him to work with me. And he said, "Well, aren't I okay the way I am?" And I said, yes, you are. You are wonderful the way you are. It's just that this will just make it easier for you to move through life. It's not, she's not doing it to change you. She's just doing it to help you. Mm-hmm. And then he then he got more comfortable with it. But, um, you know, it's just being, they they have to be accepted well, yes, I have a similar resistance often with not just uh, the people I work with, but even the Facebook connection, you know, with the posts and that sort of thing. People are often like, you know, arguing in the community of autism. There's a, a huge argument and a huge rift between the ones who think you should try and help and the ones who say, leave us alone, this is our personality. And it's just a misunderstding. You know, all parents it's are there to right. teach it's all, all the healers are there to, to heal. Yes. It's not you're trying to change personalities. Right. You're just trying to give them tools to cope. Right. And to be feel easier and to feel more comfortable in your body and and just to you know, just that is what we do for our children, whether they have a label or not. So it's just more of the same really. Yeah, um, and and of course, you know, his digestive health and his physical health improved so much. You know, and just like do you wanna have that struggle? Do you wanna keep that struggle or do you wanna let it go so you can expend your energy otherwise yes exactly and Anastasia I would love to hear the other story but we ran out of time so what we're going to do is give you a chance to you know if you could say anything you can say it Uh, just your last message to everybody what you you know what you really want them to know and take away knowing that uh, most of my audience is parents of autistic children although I do also have a large following that are educators and uh, health practitioners uh, yeah well the thing that I I think my biggest message, my biggest takeaway message is that no matter what a doctor says or other people proclaim, that doesn't matter. It matters what decision you make. So um, in my practice, I've created 250 medical miracles this last year alone, and it includes some autistic um, people being completely transformed, people with irreversible brain damage being completely transformed, 
and people with cancer and everything you could possibly imagine in between being completely transformed. And uh, it matters what you want out of life and that there is always a solution to whatever it is that you choose. And And how do they get a hold of you? Yeah, and the way they can get a hold of me is they can go to diamondmethod.com and put in a contact request, or they can dial 310-692-4036 and leave a message if I don't answer because I'm usually helping other people during the day. Okay. Wow. Thank you so much. I really That was such a, a fascinating journey, your life and, the, and your sharing of it, actually. Um, so I'm really excited. I hope people give you a call and go ahead and open up their um, their minds and their ideas about what's possible and, and give it a shot. Thank you for being willing to share with us today. This is Anastasia Chopolis, Ph.D., research physicist, cellular quantum healer, and her site one last time is diamondmethod.com. No punctuation, just diamondmethod.com. Okay. Thank you so much. Well, that was a lot of fun, and I'm sure there's a whole bunch of you out there going, oh, my gosh, how did a hard and fast scientist turn into a Reiki person talking about energy across the miles and healings? But what I want you to understand, whether you believe it or you don't believe it, the fact is science isn't hard and fast. That much I can tell you. Um, I am getting my Ph.D. in psychophysiology, and there's nothing hard and fast about what we do. promise you. So it is time for Story. All right, what do I want to tell you about? I think I want to tell you about Dr. C. This is going to be a story from my family. My son was really having a hard time. I was doing play therapy with him. I had him in a a room with me or some volunteer most of his days and almost every hour of the day, and we were playing and laughing and smiling and doing all kinds of things, and he was smiling and laughing and then hating it. And then smiling and laughing and hating it. And, you know, kind of hating it. So, <laughs> so <laughs> since we were being lovely, I figured, well, we're being lovely. So, you know, even if he hates it, whatever. We're being lovely. We're not being mean. So I'm going to keep doing this and see if it works. So I tried and I tried and I tried. And sometimes I work nine hours a day. And there is loads of tape. I could prove it. <laughs> so it was, it was exhausting and it was difficult. And mostly, mostly he was fine. But he often just felt as if we were staring at him too much, trying too hard, working with him constantly. Like, you know, life's just hard for me. Let it be hard and let me enjoy life. And there was a lot of that, I have to admit. So when that was happening, he would start to get anxious and and aggressive and I didn't yet have neurofeedback which has changed the story for all of us dramatically and so he would start hitting himself in the face or pacing back and forth and punching the wall punch his legs and uh and there was this guy who said he could do quantum healing over the miles and so his name was Dr. C and uh, we were supposed to call him if there was a problem and they would hook up these computers and uh you know it, it would just have this really robotic voice go over the speakerphone you know this is Dr. C you must relax <laughs> and it was really strange and when it didn't work, uh, Dr. C would yell at him. And so I was like, well, yeah, no, I don't really want to phone someone who's going to yell at him. 
I bring it up because I was out of desperation reaching for anything. And it actually is a curious story because, in fact, it would work. In fact, my son would relax and calm down and become soft. But the piece I wasn't sure of was, was that happening because I was laying off and he was just listening to a sort of monotone voice that would sort of have a hypnotic effect and I'm not asking anything of him right now so he can, you know, sort of let down his his defenses and go ahead and relax because I'm not going to ask him to speak or play or interact in any way. Maybe. I don't know. I don't know. I just know it worked. I know it helped. I know that I had nothing else. And no matter how many hours I spent with him trying to help him, there were times where I couldn't help him. And this did. So what I'm trying to say to you is, if it works, if it helps, then use it. And by help, I just mean make everybody happy again. Make everyone comfortable again so that you can rejuvenate, replenish, and maybe get focused on how to get the information from your brain to your child's brain or from their brain to your brain and and get back to teaching and and helping in a more goal-focused way. But there are times where we just have to chill, stop, and heal. And, um, And it helped. Now, to put a qualifier on that, it never came anywhere near helping like the way I helped once I found neurofeedback. And it just seems like a silly story to me now. Because now I can focus and say I want to get make this happened for the brain and I'm after this effect and I can just choose it and go after it and be much more successful. But in those days when I had no other choices and I'd already exhausted myself completely and given, 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 and he was just there in a state, Dr. C's weird computer voice over my speakerphone calming my child was a blessing. So if you find a blessing, use it, but always ask for more. I'm Lynette Louise, your story teacher host, otherwise known as the Brain Broad, and you have been with me on a journey listening to a new spin on autism. Answers. Today's question, should we try anything we can? Today's answer, absolutely. Thank you for joining the show today. Lynette is the author of the refreshingly honest and at times hilarious new book, Miracles Are Made, A Real-Life Guide to Autism. You can purchase this and other materials by looking on the webtalkradio.net website and clicking on the covers. You can also click through to her Facebook page and check out any show you may have missed by looking in the archives. We'll see you soon for another edition of A New Spin on Autism. Answers. Spinning in circles and talking to myself. Spinning in circles and talking to myself. Spinning in circles and talking to myself. I can't hear.